Hello, my fellow hemp nuts. Are you excited about the cannabis bonanza? Woohoo! Yeah. We, we have Would a. Fu- we you have a fun them? show for you today, recorded in Manhattan at Gotham Studio, the sweetest smelling studio in the world. Woo! With us is Greer Barnes. That's me. Performing every week in Manhattan. It's a comedy seller, world famous comedy seller. World famous Greer yeah. Barnes. Well, almost. <laughs> oh. Part of the bonanza. <laughs> yeah, it's part of the bonanza. Oh, and one of the things I love about his sets is the way he puts in that political and social justice commentary in his stuff. It's, <laughs> Thank it's you. Just, it gets you all every time. <laughs> We're also joined by uh, Jan Roberts, a licensed clinical social worker who works in cannabis and mental health therapy. Yes. How does that make you feel? Um, am I am I paying for this? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, and I'm going to therapy mode in a moment. Yeah. And you are. Um, wow, that's that's a deep who, question. Who I'm, are you, Jayvon? <laughs> today, tell I'm, us. Uh, I've been a researcher for about 15 years, studying the minutia of cannabis and its effects. And what I wanted to kind of talk to you guys today about was some hot topics. I had found a really interesting word of the day, yeah. and then I want to talk about. The endocannabinoid system. You know, we have this interaction with cannabis, how it affects mm. us, and we can dial it into what's happening. And I wanted to, yeah. you know, kind of break it down a little bit. Yeah. Maybe we're help. Gonna, we're going to teach some really cool shit today. And Let's we need do it. we need yeah. your help to break it down because we're way too nerdy. Okay, I'll break it down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, just a couple of things that are really big news out there. It's really surprising. Large companies in Canada are losing money right now. The Why? price of weed is falling. Aurora, which is like one of the biggest companies, posted a $272 million loss in their second quarter. Uh-huh. I don't know how that's <laughs> happening. Uh-huh. Right? I don't get that. How is that possible? Like, uh, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But what's also great about in the U.S. is we have presidential candidates mm. talking about smoking weed and listening to Tupac. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, later we'll Got talk. Got my vote. <laughs> <laughs> and a, a little hemp hemp parade for cannabis research with all these laws passing. We're seeing a lot of cool data coming out. Um, there's been some stuff about skinny cannabis users. Is a, this, what is that? Where are they? The skinny hippie theory. It's well, like, wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> what is that? What is that? <laughs> the more po- pot you smoke, actually, the thinner you tend to be. It, Tell them why, Jayhan. It actually goes hand in hand well, with what we're going to talk we're about. We're not talking today. about people who have like a wasting disorder, eating disorder, but it looks like normal, healthy people despite cannabis increasing your appetite, mm-hmm. isn't making them overweight. And so it's kind of this these two groups of people. Some gain weight and some stay really skinny. And, can right. it, and it could also be our, our uh, metabolism as well. Yeah, absolutely, right? absolutely. So, huh. I know, we're going to talk actually some nerd don't, I don't get the munchies today. when I smoke. I used to, but now I'm just like, I can't eat when I smoke. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Is it because wow. you're like, I don't know how that was handled? Or <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I, I used to, when I was younger, I would smoke. I would get the munchies. Now I'm just like, ew, I can't eat. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, pomfrites? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> well, real quick, I want to talk to you about the word of the day. Now, yeah. now last week, uh, we did Bogart was our yes. word of the day, which comes from Humphrey Bogart and how you would never smoke a cigarette, just kind of hold it and talk with it, but never smoke it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Interesting. Have you ever heard that? Like, don't Be- Bogart that? Yeah, like in the hood. Like, yeah. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yo, you Bogart his stuff. Like, you would take. I think it's our so, generation, yeah. too. Yours? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my kids had no idea what Bogart meant. Really? I was like, are you freaking yeah. kidding me? <laughs> I guess that's good that you're not Bogarting. Nah. <laughs> you're not going to Bogart. Nope. <laughs> yeah. 
So, anyway. <laughs> so the next word of the day, now we're going to go to China because they've been around a lot longer, been using cannabis a lot longer than a lot of cultures, and they have a word for anesthesia called ma zui. Ma and, zui. Yeah, and, and their word for cannabis is ma. And so literally anesthesia translates to cannabis intoxication. Hmm. So like, that's are you? Crazy. Would you like some anesthesia? <laughs> huh. Would you like some mazui? And that's literally what they call Wait, it Wait, so when did they start doing that? Uh, that was, well, it, Taiwan started harvesting cannabis almost exclusively about 10,000 years ago. Holy All right, but they weren't, they weren't, I mean, I, I don't know them to be smokers, though. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not, I don't want to make a passing you know a them, statement. I want to know how you know these people. I'm I'm not, <laughs> that's a good question. So they, they were mostly harvesting the seeds, and they, they have this whole book about the seventh day of the seventh month is the best time to harvest seeds outdoors. They I think they're something like everything has the ma thing. Mm -hmm. uh, they even have a god of cannabis that appears to take you into the afterlife. What does the god of cannabis look like? It's a woman with, uh, I I think like it, it. with a goat <laughs> or something that a has goat. a bunch of bales a of hemp on it and it leads you to the afterlife. <laughs> okay, that's what's up. Let's <laughs> do it. Maybe that should be like and the then we're going to eat the goat. <laughs> <laughs> that's not nice. Sorry. No. But, <laughs> be sacrificed. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's interesting, man. So like, Jayhan has like useless knowledge yeah, that I, actually is paying off right and, now. And and <laughs> like cannabinoids, right? We're, they're trying to uh, prove to this government, right? That I mean, it could it could be used in medical uh, ways, like yeah. Then yeah. that's uh, their their father of agriculture. Um, I think his name is Chang Nung. He wrote hmm. a book. Uh, about agriculture, and one of the things he wrote about, like a hundred uses for, it was cannabis for like wow. both for improving your mind wow. and also making it worse. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, nice. They'd be like, if you consume <laughs> too like, much, you'll see demons and walk see, like a madman and be in touch with spirits. Effect. Really, <laughs> but guys, that's the biphasic effect. I always, I'm such a nerd. The what fact? The biphasic effect. Now, this can ha this can possibly take place by what? The, the, well, the smoking of marijuana? The biphasic effect essentially means that you have to find the right dosage. You don't want too little, mm. or and you don't want too much, because too little is not going to give you the optimal dosage. Too much is actually going to dysregulate your endocannabinoid system that we were going to talk about. That we'll get to that. Too. But, like, uh, you know, one, what you know, a small dose of cannabis might excite you, get you... Right creativity going in too much or just be like i'm on a netflix and sit chill, on the couch yeah, yeah netflix or, and chill yeah well, so no, not chill because <laughs> if you take too much you it doesn't perform either there's this oh my god wait i posted it on our instagram that picture of the mice having sex in that study oh you missed yeah. you missed a great conversation wait a minute. hold on time out y'all mice getting high and having sex oh yeah you're losing me <laughs> They, they haven't done a human study on this yet, but apparently, they're... Well, it was talking about. They don't the need any studies. Guys, it was talking about the endocannabinoid system and how, like, if you if they were smoking too much, they weren't having they weren't as sexually uh -huh. active, whereas if they were smoking too little, it still and... wasn't helping them. So they wanted the exact right amount. Sorry, I wasn't even talking into the microphone. But um, they it. wanted the exact amount so that it was perfect for the, the mice to be able to have yeah. and that, satisfaction. That gets us to one of our main conversations tonight is, you know, cannabis has an effect on us. And our body recognizes right. it because we have this system, right? Like, 
it's uh, something that's always going on. So, have you ever heard of the endocannabinoid system? Not until, didn't you just send me something on that? So, yeah. what is that? I mean, what is? I don't. You're losing me again. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is so, why we need you. Go ahead. Because <laughs> like, we are nerds, <laughs> <laughs> cannabis nerds. Right. So this. So do we have this in our body already? What are you saying? Yeah. 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 So like, um, like, uh, like, uh, let me see. Endorphins, right? You yes. Get the runner's mm-hmm, high. Mm-hmm. Well, endorphin is a short term for endogenous morphine, your body's natural painkillers. Uh, and so uh-huh. we have the endocannabinoids, like your body's natural THC that it makes, hmm. right? So the fact that there's a plant out there that has an effect on us, that's just like a tweak or of nature we we ha- have these receptors are getting stimulated all the time like you know have you ever forgotten something well there that's the endocannabinoid system saying you don't need to remember that right now like, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> like you okay. know but if I, like like the best uh, analogy i've ever <clears throat> heard is you know the you know using cannabis or the the endocannabinoid system being stimulated it won't make you forget uh what your keys are for but you might forget where they are Okay. Well, it's not right. just that. I mean, like, I just spent, I was in Panama this past week at a conference talking about this, about the endocannabinoid system and how it impacts mood. And, you know, like, we know that people, well, well people, listen to me, animal models, mice, once again, <laughs> I'm talking about mice, like, if they've been bred without the CB1 receptors, they can't forget traumatic th- Images And so what's happened is, and that's why the ECS is so important, especially like with um, uh, PTSD, because that allows like that allows people with PTSD to forget really difficult things that are traumatic to them. And, and so your brain a, yeah. really needs this sure. to be functioning <laughs> yeah, perfectly. Yeah. And, and it's not surprised that a lot of people haven't yeah. heard of this or it's not incorporated to our daily it's lives. Nine percent of med schools teach it. Yeah. Nine it was only of medical schools teach, teach about medical students about the endocannabinoid system. Think about that. Our doctors aren't being taught this huge thing that's basically so huge the regulatory system for everything. It's the, the receptors for THC. Mm. You have more of those in your brain and throughout your body than anything else. And they weren't teaching doctors. They're just like, ignore whatever all that stuff is. That what they- is that about? <laughs> Why is that? It's kind of interesting, isn't it? That's a good question. I don't know what it's now, about. We're it, all nodding at each other right no, now, like, but it I, just doesn't seem right, does it? Does it yeah. <laughs> is this something that could advance medicine? Like, uh, I, I, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It actually blends in your immune system, hormonal system, mm. and your central nervous system together to so, kind of like create your optimal your optimal being. So the You said 9%? Of medical schools or teaching And those are this. not like the new doctors or the old doctors. These are all the new doctors being made. So if you're seeing a guy in his 50s for like treatment, he has no idea about this information. It's all it's right. all the young right. docs And all he's going to know is the NIDA stuff, which yeah. says that cannabis causes problems. Hmm. I mean, it's really fascinating. So and we that, talk yeah. about this all the time. Like I did that study of mental health clinicians, and they know – they reported that they really didn't know anything about it. And then they're wow. making all these converse, you know, comments about cannabis as if it's a use disorder without really understanding the therapy. They're speaking value. about what they know nothing of. Right, right. right. Not and good. It, 
And it's fa- it's not. It's, it's kind of scary. Like, would you, what would you want your medical treatment based on? Something from like the 70s or 60s or, or maybe a little more advanced. Like maybe I, the latest information. Yes, a little more advanced. Yeah, <laughs> right. like your latest information. It, it's so scary. Oh, you mean this I stuff? mean, and, and I have to tell you, and I should, well, I what? shouldn't say this. What? Oh, God, should I say it? <laughs> Think about it for a second. Because let's just sum up real quick. So the endocannabinoid system, the Wait. ECS, can be boiled down to like five things. It helps us to eat, sleep, relax, uh-huh. forget, and protect. And forgetting, right. I think, is one of the most important things. Because if I remembered every face I saw on, you know, the J coming over here from Brooklyn, my head would explode, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> dig need, it, dig it. Yeah. Right? You need something you need in that. there right. to get rid of the useless information. And, and you know what homeos- do you know what homeostasis is? No, what is that? It's basically the way each cell within our body seeks to kind of have homeostasis, which is a great way gotcha. of saying that everything is, what, Harmonious? fully regulated and healthy. It's kind of a healthy state of mm-hmm. wellness. And the ECS, if it's not regulated properly, it can actually create, like, all these health conditions. So, like, inflammation, arthritis, and it actually can cause mood disorders, too, because it impacts, like, the chemicals in your brain. So what do we do now? We figure out how to break down dosages? Absolutely. We have to start having conversations about what is that optimal, that biphasic effect. What is each person's individual? Who do you test it on? Good well, question. But, uh, so here's uh, yes, it is a good question. So it's a very one of my friends uh, proposed a theory. Uh, he's a he's an older doctor, really knowledgeable about this stuff. Ethan Russo proposed. He's like the rock star in cannabis. He research. proposed the hmm. endocannabinoid deficiency syn- syndrome to propose yep. like all these conditions that don't respond to normal pharmacology, normal medicine treatments. Like it's uh. something else, like migraine. Why doesn't migraine medicines work for most people maybe it has something to do with the system that cannabis interacts with mm-hmm. right. and there's something you have to fix um at parkinson's that level. is another example and what's so fascinating to me about this is that if you use too many phytocannabinoids you can dysregulate your system as yeah. well so you have to have that optimal dosage right yeah like you probably when you the, the is appetite is a great is example the optimal dosage right <laughs> everybody has to find their own a whole dig it so uh, oh my goodness <laughs> It's fascinating. Like you want to be stimulated, but right. you don't want to be overstimulated. Ah, right. That's right. So your dosage, hers, and mine it's may all be. going to be different. And it also, what's and, really and interesting is. And when you can kind of key yeah. into that, what it does is actually help someone feel very vital, very, you know, it helps regulate their mood, essentially. And hmm. that's kind of one of the reasons why Jayhan and I got into this because it was fascinating. And you know, speaking of the effects on pain and inflammation, yeah. like Greer, you were like almost a pro athlete at one time, right? Yeah, almost. Well, you know, but <laughs> I, I ran like one. <laughs> Good enough. He even played but, one in the movie. Uh, <laughs> well, that's right. That's true. That's right. That is. I know. I love that picture you posted. Up. Really? Yeah. Sorry. But, uh, <laughs> like with working out and exercise, have you ever noticed like cannabis's effect on something like that? Like, absolutely. Me and my buddy Pablo, um, we did martial arts for years, and we would smoke a little bit. Right before we <clears throat> would go to class, because <clears throat> it would it would allow it would allow it would allow us to loosen up more and go into our stretches deeper, and you know, like it, it was good. And then the afterwards as well, and, like, and it wasn't like you were standing there like, oh, I just got hit. What no, do I do? no, you were uh-uh. like it. You, it really set our focus. Like it was pinpoint, laser point. Like we would smoke, and then we would just get into our stretches, like. I used to be able to do a full split this way and that way. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I swear to God, years ago. Did and you? This, yeah, yeah, because that's what we, uh, we were. <clears throat> it was all about kicking for us. Right. Yeah. You know, so uh, your legs have to be loose. And, right. Uh, 
We used to just, I used to love it. I used to just split that way and split this when way. When did this you quit that? Oh, my God. I don't know. What am I, 54? I don't know. Maybe no. 20, 30 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> that could maybe, be not, not that long ago. It. Maybe like 15 years ago. Uh. <laughs> and what about the recovery? Because, like, you know, I do some martial arts uh, in the city, and, you know, afterwards you're just like your body's hurting. It, yes, it like, is hurting. Oh and then you, you smoke a little. You shower, of course. You smoke a little bit, and you're back Chill. to normal. That's homeostasis yeah. right back there. That is back it. Back to normal. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and you know what else it does? The immune system. So if you have a healthy, regulated endocannabinoid system, your immune system is going to be working. So if you're getting sick, believe it or not, what do you mean? try <laughs> to supplement the phytocannabinoids to see if it will help what, you uh, feel better. But you don't mean like actual smoking, though. It could be anything. The whole theory, or it's fascinating, you know, what Ethan Russo proposed. Because to me, it's fascinating mm-hmm. saying that if you lose some um, of the endogenous cannabinoids, you can replace them. Some people believe that you can actually replace them with phytocannabinoids. So that's where cannabis would come in to supplement the endocannabinoid system. Hmm. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it it is crazy. So one of my favorite (laughs) topics of research is, I don't know if you've heard about this, but cannabis can affect the subjective passage of time. And, you know, I can't imagine this could come into play a lot of uh, places driving or, or maybe performing, mm-hmm. right? Have I been on stage for two minutes? Have yeah, I been yeah. two minutes or 12 <laughs> minutes. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. But, I remember uh, one night you just kept on and on and on and on. They were like doing the light, <laughs> trying to get you off really? the stage, and you kept going on and on. It was was like, that funny? Yeah, <laughs> you were. That was a crazy night. <laughs> so, what I want to know is if this makes sense. So I read this driving study, and it seemed to make sense to me. And what they did is they had people who didn't use cannabis, and they give them some, of the, and then they drive this course in a closed course, and they timed everything. And one of the things they noticed is that the cannabis, the people who were intoxicated on cannabis drove slower and compensated for that. But at a red light, they responded faster than any group when that thing turned <laughs> to green. <laughs> And I have to think, maybe it's because they were sitting there thinking, it should have turned green already, right? Yes, it's taking it so long. <laughs> yes, man. The passage of time. Yeah. Like, have we been on for two minutes or 25? I'm, I'm not sure. The other one I think is really important, and this is one that's debated and discussed everywhere, is its effect on vision, because driving and cannabis is such is an important thing. Is there an effect on vision? Well, I mean, use doesn't make people blind, but um, one of the first things it was really approved for was for glaucoma, right? Sure. Pressure in the yes. eye. But um, this, you might like this, is, uh, and I always thought this would be great cannabis tourism advertising, but in Morocco, there's a tradition of people going night fishing and taking cannabis, whether it's hash or tincture, and, really? And they claim they can see better at night where to throw the nets and the fish jumping. And if if it wasn't true, I'd imagine they would be crashing into coral and, yeah. like, not eating. Yeah, there but, you go. That must be some good hash. <laughs> Morocco, is that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, do, what do you think? <clears throat> do you think that it can, imp- you know, so there's been a lot of people who've used cannabis at night. Uh, do you think it imp- you know, do you think people have, it improves vision, or do you think it can make vision? Worse? I don't see how it. I don't see how it could hurt your vision. You know, like it doesn't. I mean, as you said, it was. I mean, 
glaucoma. It's used for, for glaucoma. You yeah. talk about, you know, sports and martial arts. Mm-hmm. Like, if it affected vision, taking a lot more blows. Exactly, <laughs> yes. If, it, if, if Those basketball players wouldn't be hitting those shots. Right? If, <laughs> if, if it affected their vision. Yeah, I can always ever, tell which has, basketball player has a drug test coming up because they shave their head. Really? Has it ever affected, like, oh. has it ever affected, like your joke writing or nah. the thoughts that you have? Nah. Marijuana is a stimulant, man. It's like, Does it make you feel more creative? Um, yeah, it makes you get out, makes you think outside the box. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah That's definitely. what a lot of people say that it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, I mean, it's a it's a mental thing. It's a, you know, and it's also you know, I, I it's like heady and it's 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 it hits your head and it hits your body. It depends. Like now, and all of a sudden, when I smoke, I get tired. <laughs> <laughs> I want to act like it's like, oh, this is awesome. I go to sleep. Like, <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Only when I'm indoors, like when I'm outdoors. <laughs> I don't fall asleep outside. Well, oh, there God. is, you know, another hot topic is the effect cannabis has on sex. And we alluded to this a little bit earlier, but I mean, it's it's talked about a lot in relationship studies. Yeah. Two thirds of people who use cannabis say that it actually improves their sex life. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying what the research says. Who's researching this? <laughs> uh, some people in the Czech Republic, actually. Uh oh. <clears throat> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's so where the little picture of the mice having sex was from. There. Yeah, let me oh. let me sh- let me show you this. Yeah, I'll show. Yeah. <laughs> It's so funny, dude. I think I put it on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. They partying in the Czech Republic, huh? I know. I tried to post this image to Reddit, and they rejected it. I was like, (laughs) like, they're like... That's not a. It's like they said. It's not data. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is. That's data. It's like the Kama Sutra for mice. <laughs> and what's really funny is that you can tell this research was done by guys. Yeah, I know. They could care less about the female orgasm. But that's what, literally what they say. They talk about the sex cycle, and there's like female orgasm question mark. <laughs> right? Freaking male privilege. It's like. Like, they're like, sex really only has two things, attraction and ejaculation, and then it's done. It's like, <laughs> oh, you're just not going to just go disregard the other side? Yeah, okay, that's cool. what those male nice. researchers do. That's they're how like, you, what is this crap? Freaking male, yeah. They went to Easter man camp. But they did do some good work. They did do some good work. They did some stuff which was interesting, um, and one of it is the, the amount of use. And they yeah. said that about two joints a week, um, was associated with a seventy percent increase in pleasure. Really? Versus like Two you know, joints a week. Yeah. Versus uh, you know uh, copious use. Yeah. Well, that's that endo- that's that regulated endocannabinoid system again. Too much is not good. Too little. You know, you this have to find that right amount. And he's saying two joints is the right amount. For those people, <laughs> For maybe. Those, yes. Okay. Maybe. Right. You right. know, mm-hmm. it depends on where everyone is. Hmm. And that's, I'm fascinated with that question. Like, where is that optimal point for everyone? So, well, 70%. Jayhan doesn't want to talk nerd science. We could, we could. (laughs) But, uh, you know, only about 23% of the people responded saying that hashish, like concentrated forms, were associated with increasing pleasure. I don't know. um, I'm going to have to try it. (laughs) (laughs) We'll give you some forms to fill out. (laughs) Fill these forms out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Fill these forms out. Yeah. What are you a talking about? 
We need we need approval from yeah. review boards. Oh, yeah. You can't just oh my God. can't just have We're doing it like sex an IRB. and cannabis going out there. That's need it's to have dangerous. a contract that everyone we need, has mutually agreed. We to. need a bunch of old dudes at a university reviewing all oh the details. God. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. Tested at home by yourselves. <laughs> Okay. Well, while All I have right, you J-line, here, we'll, we'll come back to the science in a second. There's actually a really fun study I think you would like. Um, before we go into the next segment, I want to test your guys' knowledge a little bit about news here. Do a little, is it real? Is it fake news? Let's go. But first of all, I thought you'd be good to know that they did a study on THC and nicotine in lungs, and they found that THC actually protected lungs from ha! damage from nicotine. Ha! <laughs> would you look at that? Rotten. Uh, where was Dis- this? Disgusting tobacco companies. <laughs> How do you really feel? Oh my God! Wow, really? Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, hmm. yeah, that's why. Oh goodness, it was done in Poland, um, and they were trying to figure out how it all fits together. But yeah, they said it protects your lungs from the fibrosis. You know, people get like those weird from like chain smoking those disorders. So you know, cannabis-based medication for treating the side effects hmm. of oh, well, cigarettes nicotine could be in tobacco. the pipeline. I mean, that's wow. That's awesome. There's so many potentialities. I think okay. that's why we like to talk about it being the bonanza because right. they're just it's just kind of crazy what's happening. Well, think in about this all world. those dangerous uh, studies, the drug abuse studies, where people are like, "Oh, if you're using nicotine and cannabis together, it's bad." And it's like, well, maybe that's part of the evolution of drug use. <laughs> like people are like, "Hey, yeah. I've noticed I don't my lungs don't hurt as much." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, have you? Let ever... me smoke this one. I'll roll this one. Have you ever <laughs> thought of cannabis like for hangovers? I know that hmm. if I drink a lot, if I smoke, well, if someone smokes or if someone drinks a lot. All right. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my friend. My friend. I'm asking for a friend. Drinks way right? too much. <laughs> they want to know how to get rid of this hangover. Well, and what they found is that if they smoked, that it actually they felt better in the morning. Well, the think... next morning, like regenerated. And I go back to that's the friggin' what, what do you mean? If they had a hangover? Like... like it prevents hangovers if you oh. smoke with them. So prophylactically. Mm. Because it's actually kind of creating that homeostasis for the cells again. Hmm. Kind of helping the cells regenerate and kind well, and of become more balanced. I factual that is. Let's try it. We can ask our <laughs> listeners to try it <laughs> or to tell us any we stories they have. We have to end the have. show early to get to happy hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so for this next segment, uh, what we're calling for now, Cannabis Fake News, is I'm going to read a headline, quick summary, go through six stories, and then we'll come back and I'll review them. I want you guys to tell me whether they're fake, rip them apart, or, or whatever you want to do. So. And I didn't cheat because I was worried I was going to cheat. Right. So, So our first story... Uh, is uh, the headline is New Jersey medical marijuana patients need a good hostage negotiator, Senator says. Uh, so this senator basically said uh, that because laws are taking so long to you know, come into uh, enactment and be implemented, that the population of people who are using this is exploding, that they're not getting their needs met, and they need to be more aggressive with their advocacy. Uh, the next story, and we'll come back to these. The next story is a marijuana activist who live-streamed the meeting with the congressional staffers, talking about the first cannabis like mm. federal bill, has been charged with illegal wiretapping for recording. What? <laughs> 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 okay, hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> he did not have consent from the staffers um, to oh, post this Lord. pro-cannabis thing. So the third one is a representative from New York, uh, I believe Democrat, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says she has no problem with President Trump smoking marijuana in office, which, um, and this is a story 
uh, coming from the marijuana community. You know, there's some information about this. Uh, it may explain why Trump spends so much executive time on his schedule. Hmm. Um, so the fourth story is um, how marijuana ruined Ronald Reagan's Valentine's Day. So this story is 38 years ago. Um, uh, uh, Ronald Reagan and his wife on Valentine's Day went to see a movie where some marijuana use was present. And, <laughs> and the Gipper got upset. <laughs> oh, it's like, Nancy, Ronnie. this is an endorsement of pot smoking for any old person who sees the picture. Just well. say no. And then shortly <laughs> after that is when he went on air and said marijuana is the most dangerous drug. Um, the fifth story <laughs> is UNC researchers are exploring the impacts of marijuana on air pollution. And oh, my God. They're worried about the smell of cannabis affecting the ozone layer and polluting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not the tons of fucking toxic waste you're shooting into the air, <laughs> but <laughs> marijuana smoke. And the last story is about Jesus. the uh, illicit or, or black market is going away <clears throat> in Canada, but that they've lost seventy uh, percent of sales have gone down towards the black market in Canada. So let's wait, wait, say that again. So let me see if I'm saying this right. Black market losing seventy one. So of- the the uh, the illicit market <clears throat> is going away in Canada. The seventy one percent. Of, of sales are down through illicit channels, through right. non-dispensary okay. stuff. Okay. So, again. Okay. So, it's reducing the the thing. Okay. Uh, all right. So, let's go back. Well, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. What are they doing? It's, it's, it's legal, right? right. Like, right. I mean, was, there was a, a um there was an underground, I mean, not underground, the black market, right? Yep. Right. And so, they know roughly uh, so how many metric tons are in the legal market, and they know roughly how much is out there outside the market uh-huh. and they're looking at um, sales within the market compared to reported sales. And they're complaining about what? Losing money? Yeah. <laughs> the black market. <laughs> so one of these uh, is... It's all a numbers game. It's bullshit. One, <laughs> one of these uh, is not It has is not true. And one okay, of the, one of them. Only one of them, but I want to just go through them a little bit. So the first one we talked about was, uh, did a senator really come out and say medical marijuana patients need a good hostage I negotiate? say yes. <laughs> there are some stupid ass senators. A good, a good hostage negotiator. Well, only one of these is untrue, right? Hmm. I wonder what that means. I know. Exactly. So I'm like looking at. Like him. you would need somebody to. Uh, I'm gonna say that's real. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Rather than hold hostage our most vulnerable, I propose a more yeah. humane solution, a simple solution that the public overwhelmingly supports: Yay. expansion of medical marijuana programs. Yes. <laughs> Any other choice is inhumane. Um, and that uh, was, again, from a senator from New Jersey. So the next story was, uh, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has said a lot of things about cannabis in the news. Did she really say she has no problem with Trump smoking marijuana in office? I don't think she did. Did she? I say she did. <laughs> well, how about this? Do you think she cares if a sitting president smokes marijuana? Uh, no. 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 I wouldn't care either. Yeah, I wouldn't either. <laughs> I would hope that she would. I would hope that she he, would. He, he'd be talking about, hey, man, <laughs> give me some Chinese food from China. <laughs> Didn't he order, like, a bunch of fast like, food okay, for like, the White House? Yeah, for, like, you know. He, yeah. he ordered all that McDonald's. McDonald's. Yeah, and for all those He's like, Burger give me 50 Big Macs, 50 yeah. this, and one Coke. Yeah. <laughs> God, he's such a bad But, ass. yeah, so that story is true. She said that yep. she does not oppose any sitting president using marijuana, you, and she pointed to Barack Obama, George Bush, and Bill Clinton all reporting to various levels of cannabis and even Obama, right. you know, going so far as to talk about other drugs that they've yeah. used. Yeah. 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 
I don't know yeah. why they treat marijuana this way. So there are some dumbass people in Jesus. this world. So our fourth one is more of a cultural topic, but did a story really come out last week that marijuana ruined Ronald Reagan's Valentine's Day? Yes. Uh, I would believe that's true. That is a true story. <laughs> yes. Just say no. 38 uh, years ago, it was otherwise lovely Valentine's Day for President Reagan when him and Nancy went to go see a movie. And um, they watched the comedy film Nine to Five, starring Jane Fonda <laughs> and oh Dolly Parton. Oh, nice. and they light up a joint. There is that Jane Fonda again. And, they, and, and Willie was, Tomlin. Those feminists <laughs> decided to smoke <laughs> some weed. And they found his diary entry from the time, and he talks about how uh, one scene made him so mad. And it was that particular. <laughs> wow. So oh, hilarious. What's scarier to the Gipper oh than three middle aged white women smoking Jesus. weed? Jesus. Unbelievable. Right. So, <laughs> so the la- the good. second to last one. Are researchers really exploring the impacts of marijuana on air pollution? Are there atmospheric scientists out there studying, uh, uh, you know, these organic no. compounds being released by no. cannabis? No, no. no. The story is true. From the oh, North Carolina and Chapel Hill, they were going down to Colorado, and literally. The smell of cannabis, they're like, it has to be bad. So they're looking at its effect on the environment <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and pollution. Yep. Oh um, it's just as bad as cow gas. <laughs> Go waste of time, waste of money. <laughs> really? And then what? What? You should be a judge of these research <laughs> yes, conferences. Like, like, what <laughs> that would be funny. They would have to present their idea to Greer to be approved or not approved. Yeah. yeah. No. So this is what they note in their study. It's the first of its kind as our most bad ideas. Sure. Uh, <laughs> 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 and they... they this is what makes me worry that they don't understand what they're doing is they're like, we have only studied three plants and they're what they admit. There's at least 620 other types of cannabis that we have to study and see. You know, you know smell pollution I could understand. Your, your neighbor's burning leaves or mm. tires mm, right. or something. But, you know, do we hear this? I've never heard of this for something like people growing roses commercially. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Like, which leads that airplane you're going to take to Colorado is going to do more damage to the right. ozone layer than a joint, you clowns. And <laughs> you tell them. <laughs> and they, they criticize the EPA because they're like, nobody's helping us. They're refusing to acknowledge that this is a public well, e- health issue. <laughs> <laughs> the EPA is being governed by an oil man anyway, right? Oh. Yeah, so the EPA ain't what it used to be. So, All right, so our last story is, is the black market, is the illicit market going no. away in Canada? No, now that we know that we were both wrong on number five, we know that this is unsure. Yeah. Well, well, no, you didn't do number two. They were. Oh, wait a second. Oh, did you trick us? Let's just say. <laughs> so let's just say Canada's federally legalized cannabis. What's happened Jaylen's in the last year? Has, has is there more of a demand in the black market? Is there less, less of, of a demand? It would have to be less, less. of it, less of a demand. Now you but can go and get it. Seventy-one percent. I don't know. Hmm. So. Here's what's this is why I included this because this was so interesting. Right. It's actually the opposite of what you would think. The the illicit market for cannabis is reportedly even increasing in Canada because of supply issues, because of demand, because of all these other things that prevent people from accessing what they're trying to get. And back to the issue of like the small we're not talking about there's like you know, huge cultivators, but if you're looking for a particular product, right? And again, remember, it's decriminalized. It's not like you're going to get necessarily arrested <laughs> right. for right. having some as a person. Wow. But um, they did this. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if it was um, being shipped down here, right? Down, down, down to like you know the um, the states. And that is definitely like, a, a concern. 
But wow. so they're thinking <coughs> that um, once the new market is more experienced, imp- supply improves, um, and other packaging issues are solved, that they think that then it will stabilize more. So there's a temporary bottleneck oh, right okay. now. And um, that's what it is. Oh, that's cool. That's interesting. Yeah, so this data comes out of the Bank of uh, Nova Scotia. See all this knowledge we're getting from this? I feel like I'm learning with the professor right now. So this this, one really surprised me. Um, But it kind of shows you, like, if you're too strict with the regulations and they're not well implemented, what's it going to do? What's it going to do? Right. 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 That is interesting, though. Like, So the black market has actually gotten bigger? Well, it's – I mean – it's it's hard to say. They're saying it's going to control seventy one percent of all cannabis sales uh, this year. Wow, which wow. is it's hard to. That's right. why, that's crazy. Yeah, that, that's I don't. Wait a minute. I thought isn't it legal in Canada? Yeah, <coughs> yeah. So they're only meeting thirty uh, percent of the legal demand, or you know, one hundred metric tons. <laughs> Wow. wow. That's amazing. <laughs> it's kind of hard to visualize. It's more than one big truck full, I'd imagine. <laughs> wow. But, uh, but yeah, no, that's because of lack of a consistent supply. There's over- regulatory restrictions, taxing, licensing right. fees. And, you know, consumers are looking for something consistent right. at that's a cheaper price. That's always the issue. That's Dig always it. the issue, though. You know, and here in the U.S., we see that. You know, you know if, you could, if you get it covered by insurance, I'm oh sure more God. people would be like, oh, I'll go there. But there's a couple advantages I it's think a so store ridiculous, has. It's so ridiculous, all these regulations, though, in the sense, because it's the one that's impacting all the patients. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. That's why it's just so upsetting, because I have, like, patients on certain varieties, and then they go in, and they can't get it. But yet... It helps them, and they right. found what works for them. And it's so say, frustrating, yeah. even when we talk there's about this, like research and all. There's this war on cannabis. Yeah, there's a war on cannabis. It really is, and, and it's it's interesting because it's a levee, and it's and it's water, and right. it's seeping through this wall, and you don't this this levee's going to break. I, you, right. De Blasio already said, "Yo, stop arresting fucking people who are smoking weed, yo." Like, go get real bad guys. Right. <laughs> Seriously. Like, you know. Right. Um, and then I hear all these stories about these guys who come back from, like, Iraq and stuff. And, and you know, they and, lose and, their and, benefits. Yes, and marijuana, yeah. like, like uh, stabilizes them and stuff. And it's like. But it's the endocannabinoid system. It, it, that's that's yes. what it's doing. And it's like, why wouldn't you want to take care of that guy who's prepared to die to protect us? Right. Right. Like, why not? Why would not take care of him? Right. Or her? My uh, son-in-law, actually, he's in the military, and that's all I'll say. But he actually sent me something this week about how they were talking about using CBD for alternative pain management, and the um, military won't let them. They they can't <laughs> recommend it. They can't even discuss yes. it or anything. Like but it. they'll make your parachute out of it. But yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> we want you to land in that right. danger zone safely. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Don't smoke that weed. Don't Jesus. That's essentially, uh, you know, that's. Right. Uh, I think, you know, during World War II, they ordered a bunch of farmers to grow hemp for the war effort. And fun fact, uh, George Bush Sr., you know, the d- Mr. Drug War, like. Right. He, he was, was a drug czar. Yeah. Right. He was a drug. Mr. Drug War right. himself right. was yeah. saved mm-hmm. by a hemp parachute in World War II. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's so a little good. ironic. Oh, God. <laughs> Only we had used a less strong fiber. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. New Mm -hmm. hemp times. New hemp times. I know. Do you like our logo? It looks great. 
I I just love that. I just think it's cute. I never thought I'd... I mean, that's, that's interesting. I'd like to hear that voice come out of that character's face, though. It sounds like yours. <laughs> I know. That's what I mean. <laughs> and that blonde thing. I don't know about her. She's looking like she's oh a little nutty. Oh, my God. Nutty. That'd be funny. Then there's Nur and Jahan in the back. <laughs> Brilliant. We are. We're covering the global cannabis bonanza. So I was in Panama this week. What was that about? Why were you there? Oh, my God. So I I was asked to speak about cannabis and mental health this week Mm -hmm. uh, for Canatech. And they're this great group. Are they out of of Panama? No, ICANN that runs it. um, They're actually out of Israel, but Uh people from all over the world work there. And they have these global cannabis conferences. And um, they're incredible. They're out of Israel, and they're, they're just incredible love these guys and we wound up um they asked me to come down there talk about mental health and that was a really fun place to go and met really a lot of people from latin america from colombia um uh, argentina uh panama and um costa rica just all these people who were trying to get in well i did say colombia and trying to kind of um, build medical cannabis programs in their countries. And it, mm. and, and it was fascinating, some of the people I met and just kind of seeing how it's evolving. And Panama was incredible. It was so beautiful. It yeah. was just gorgeous. It was like I, I fell in love with it down there. But hmm. anyway. <laughs> now, what's the deal with marijuana in Panama? Like, is it legal? It's is it illegal? illegal. It's, it's illegal. It's illegal, yeah. Mm-hmm. I met this great Rastafari but there uh, who's in, from Jamaica. I just met all sorts of fun people. These conferences, imagine going to a conference mm-hmm. with some of the most brilliant, sp- like, smart people who are risk takers, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. and very happy all the time and like to be social. That's what it's like. It's the coolest kind of vibe. And all of these people are down there and they're trying to get this mental yeah, health. We're doing m- research. Mar- uh, I was, and mental health. Yeah, I was the only one talking <coughs> about mental health. And I talked about the endocannabinoid <laughs> system and mood. And um, it, it was wonderful. I could have kept talking because I, you know, I can talk about anything. And also, Columbia is coming thing. online, too. Their first manufacturer. Yeah. So they kind of, I think it was a couple of years ago, they started that process. Yeah. And so they're very progressive places. in a lot of ways. It, I think we could really learn from them. And, and I'm hoping that, you know, People, our group, yeah. IRCCMH, is going to be working down there. I'd love to with connect that. with those other groups that are doing, uh, yeah. they have the psychedelic treatment centers there for like ayahuasca. I think that's in Argentina yep. and other yep. places. Wow. They really. Really cool stuff. You know, um, it it was just, it was fascinating. I got to meet all sorts of people and um, really think that we have some opportunities for us to do some research consultation. What was the the best presentation, other than yours, what was the best (laughs) topic or presentation you saw there? It was something that just cracked your hemp seed open and you're like, wow, I'm growing here. the Jamaican one. I loved the Rastafari uh, and the um, politician. They both shared the stage and they talked about how they changed um, cannabis. They call it ganja there mm. and kind of how really the indigenous maroon groups mm. along mm-hmm. with Rastafari have really gotten into working together and exporting cannabis and, and really starting a global trade out of Jamaica. 
and it was really cool. It, it was just it was just this guy. He invited us, you and I, <coughs> Jay. Are they actually exporting? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they invited us. Who are they us. exporting to? Yeah, what's that uh, website? Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why don't you export some to Greer? Seven hundred. Let me start. Just drop it in a drone somewhere yeah. over Prospect Park. Care of New Hemp yeah. Times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dig it. Hashtag New Hemp Times. <laughs> wow. So they, they so they they actually export yeah. marijuana from Jamaica yeah. to Canada. Is yeah. that the only is yeah. that the only place? No, no, or? no. Europe and South America. Well, and it's it's probably so one of the first I've heard about that's actually on the water. I mean, within Europe, I just love that they're really they can transfer it between certain countries. But like, I love that but, they yeah. really recognize like the religious aspects with the Rastafari yes. community, yes. and yes. I loved that they were trying to be inclusive of the native population who had mm. been in Jamaica. So yeah. this initiative just sounded so cool. And um, I was hoping we could run into, or I could run into people from the Virgin Islands, because you and I have talked about that, about trying to do research down there. Yeah, because they're really interested in these, I don't know if it's called, like, uh, medical medical tourism. tourism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. doing, like, opioid treatment centers with cannabis. Or just for even for just other more basic things. It's like, I'm too stressed out, I'm cracking, I'm going to go to Mm -hmm. this lovely place where they're going to help me dose with cannabis and get you know, back on track and mm. stuff like that. And I, you know, Jamaica, the Virgin Islands. Yeah. It just sounds like it would really enhance. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's, that's where you want to go. I know, right? <laughs> well, I remember the And whole, I think yeah. they need to fly the three of us down there and we could do a live podcast or some kind Uh-oh. of stream that we could do it. <laughs> Our sound engineer, Brian, is like, I'll do it. Hello. Are you checking your calendar, Greer? You're like, when am I <laughs> free to go to Jamaica? <laughs> Oh, the Cannabis Society. Wait, this is this Tuesday. Yeah. So the Cannabis Society NYC Business Conference is this Tuesday, February 19th. (coughs) Sadly, we probably won't be on the air by the 19th. Maybe we will. And if you are, we will definitely, and we can put it on our uh, Instagram page, too. Absolutely. If I'm correct, the person who who we're working with at uh, Brooklyn Sprouts. Uh Uh-huh. This, I think this woman who uh, who's actually there's this whole thing. We get we're about to get a piece of land in Colorado to build on nice. to build a uh, a wellness center and and uh, oh cultivate marijuana and uh, medical pe- for medical purposes. And I think this I, my my buddy Randy, who I want you to meet, yeah, who's yeah, going to yeah. come up on the show. Good. He'll have more of the info on it. I'm just going to. I want to hear. I, I, can you bring him in next time? Absolutely. Because I next really want to. Because I got to be out of I here know. in three minutes. But I, I that's what I wanted. To, I wanted to bring him today. But well, let's just is it three normal minutes or three cannabis minutes? Because yeah, I think <laughs> I'm gonna go with the three <laughs> cannabis minutes. <laughs> Maybe we can kind of pause it for a little bit. Ladies and gentlemen, Greer Barnes has left the building. Are you sure you didn't go to the bathroom? <laughs> no, he's gone. No, he's I think he had to go doing his act at the comedy cellar yeah, tonight. Yeah, he's on twice tonight. Yeah, and we're going to go hang out with him afterward. But we celebrate. have some science to talk about. Okay, wait. Hold on. So, did you enjoy the conversation around the endocannabinoid system? 
I liked it. I liked getting his uh, perspective on it because, you know, I'm in my ivory research tower. I'm looking at rats and mice and cells, and it's it's good to have this nice baloney detector kind of uh, calibrating. Um, but see, I get so fired up when I talk about it. I feel like such a freaking nerd. But it's so fascinating to me because, the you know, the therapeutic potential just is really exciting to me. And I think more people have to be comfortable with just talking about it and not in no right. specific terms. I think we get hung up on, you know, you know, for example, we use a lot of scary terminology when we talk about cannabis. Um, like the, the technical term for euphoria is temporary induced psycho- oh psychosis. That sounds frightening. Well, I, until, I, I you have know, to it's tell you, I have a, this issue that why in the hell would they even pathologize euphoria? You know what I mean? Like, that's a bad thing. I have never, un- as a clinician myself, I never understood why that should be some kind of negative thing, you know? I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, because it's hard to argue to say, well, if someone takes this, they're going to feel better. And that, you know, that's like the basis <laughs> of all medicine. But that's pathological. That's a symptom. Uh, well, there are people who are, like, addicted to exercise, who, like, run and fall asleep, right. like, still running. Right, right. <laughs> well, they're actually, they're actually making their endogenous cannabinoid system work more efficiently, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. God, we're such nerds. <laughs> so there is one so study I. I wanted to ask you about because of What's your that? background. And it was a study, a, a, a protocol that came out about cannabidiol, to enhancing uh, yeah. exposure therapy in refractory yeah. yeah. patients with phobias. Yeah. There's a lot of words there. Um, yeah. And again, uh, clinical work treatment is not my expertise. It's right. yours. So could right. you break it down a little bit? Exposure therapy? Is that like showing people scary it, pictures? It's, part, it's actually kind of funny because I actually teach cognitive behavioral interventions. And so what they're talking about doing is exposure therapy and utilizing some CBT with it and starting to measure. They're seeing CBD as kind of a um, supplement to add on to the current regimen that the patient is going through. And then they're giving them these kind of exposures to try to gradually reduce their own anxiety. And it was only patients with like, I think, agoraphobia, panic disorder, so how do you that. do exposure therapy for agoraphobia? You put them in a small room? Like, what is exposure therapy? Like, can you do yeah, some examples? Yeah, slowly, essentially, it's slowly kind of um, exposing you to the stimulus that scares you. So if I'm afraid of driving, what I might do, or if I had a patient who was afraid of driving, and I have had a patient who was afraid of driving, we might start off with, and I did this with my patient, actually, where he has to actually walk out from his house. He was agoraphobic and was afraid to drive. And he was so afraid to do anything. He just lived in the house and wound up adapting and working in the house. He hadn't been outside of his house in years. And we eventually started to work on getting him out of the house, getting him comfortable, and slowly over time building up to getting him into a car. And then slowly getting him, you know, comfortable sitting in the car for a period of time, driving down the driveway, and slowly kind of taking steps to him getting out um, on the road. Okay, I can understand. Well, you mentioned driving. Yeah. And so there was a new study just came out <clears throat> about a week ago about the impact of legalization on vehicular trauma. Right. Um, so drug driving, driving the interference of alcohol. 
and they wanted to see what effect um, you know cannabis had on incidents of drug driving in California, largest market probably in the United States, right? Highest right. prevalence of use. What would you predict would happen there? As far as the outcomes being that it would be increased, yeah, or decreased? increase, decrease, stay the same. I would think it would probably stay the same. You know, and that is oftentimes what we see with cannabis and some of this work is that um, it wasn't the cause of it. And so interestingly, right. despite um, there being more tests for cannabis at right. um, at ra- accidents, um, uh, and, and they went to level one trauma centers and looked at it, and they found that the decriminalization of marijuana did not seem to have an effect on the incidence of drug driving. Um there was little yearly vari- variation, right? Twenty-three percent versus fifty percent for alcohol, and seven percent for both. I thought that was really surprising. Only seven percent of vehicular trauma—it's it's, you know the combination of the right. two right. resulted. It was interesting because we were talking about the effects of hangovers and alcohol earlier with cannabis, right. and you know it's it's fairly interesting mm. that. Um, you know, it's interesting to me. It makes you wonder, like, what kind of protective factors is it creating? Oh, I'm, I'm pretty you sure know? soon they'll they'll be putting, uh, you know, CBD and, and vodka and tequila as sort of this, <laughs> like, oh, this is the the thing that's treated, so you won't get like fluoride in you, the water. We we know this is a real thing, right? I mean, oh, there yeah. there's all this alcohol already. You know, going back to the bad hair day for. Uh, CBD yep. last week. Um, I, I met a guy who said he had the patent on it and tried to enforce it at bars and things like that. <laughs> uh, the patent for I was like, are you sure? I oh think people God, are making tinctures like for date. a thousand years. Yeah. I know. That would be like the worst date ever. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a blind date with a guy and he's going to enforce that. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why I'm thinking so, like that. So also, you know, again, we were talking about sex and cannabis earlier. Yeah. There is something also around drug use that has a bit of a stigma. So much funding has been devoted to studying drug use and risky sexual practices. This makes me think about behavioral therapy. So it's a serious issue. Um, And so what is seems to be wrong here, and I want to know, maybe you can, you can explain why this may or may not be true, but basically researchers in Los Angeles have shown that among uh, homosexual men, I'm, to quote their study, cannabis users are safer about sex and have dramatically lower rates of STIs compared with people not using illicit drugs or using other illegal drugs. I would like to see what the intelligence, if they measured that, of the participants. Oh, like maybe a level of education and income and things It could like that? be. Yeah, you have to look at all of those variables. But also it would be interesting to see um, if there was something, you know, also, like, what was their IQ as well? You know, because sometimes I think that people self-select to use cannabis because they are very smart. And it kind of helps give them more insight into things. Hmm. Interesting. Well, this has typically been used to, you know, greater enforcement of a lot of racist drug laws. You know, oh, what you... Um, so they're the the authors of this article online talk about quote prohibitionists have sought to justify greater enforcement of racist drug laws in communities of color by insinuating things like poor black women are misusing their autonomy and therefore need to be forced into rehabilitation programs for their own good and this is the oh premise and now they're finding out that this actually might be wrong with certain types of drugs right um, and, and I think the the idea about IQ and education is important, but I, you know, it's interesting that they're saying that 
you know, other drugs seem to, and we were talking about the effect the, of animals. These, <laughs> the effect of animals, what do you mean? Well, you know, if you give a mice a lot of THC, they just <laughs> yeah. don't have sex, right? Right, they have right, less. right, right. But it's, so it's not an effect of people just having less sex because they're using cannabis. They might be having, I'd want to know about how much sex are they having because is this, <laughs> is this, uh, you know, there's a lot of variables here, but it is promising that some of these policies and the way they view, might view, you know, if you, if you show up to a, a treatment center, right. what boxes are they going to check for you? Right, right. Based on what you report see that's what always pisses me off about research that focuses on substance though in a sense because we need to look obviously cannabis users are making smart decisions you know what i mean <laughs> and we tend to kind of pathologize any kind of use like that rather than looking at kind of the benefits that it could be providing I don't know if that makes any sense. It does to me. I mean, no, I, I just, I'm just fascinated by this, that what is it that's unique about cannabis users in a sense? You know, it's yeah. like I was saying about going to a conference with people who are kind of, you know, these kinds of conferences. You just meet some really cool people and, and certain kinds of, you know, they're, they're very personality-wise, very similar. I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking out of my ass right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so much news out there. Sometimes it's a little hard to know where to begin with cannabis. Um, you know, and I think what's interesting, when we hear these stories popping out that change some of our preconceived notions about drug use. That right? it, you know, it's sometimes difficult, difficult to grapple with these ideas, but it kind of falls under this theme of how our states and, and different areas adjusting to the access to these new products and i'm always sometimes confused when they mention people are using cannabis products are they talking about cbd rich products thc rich products how are they administered because right. in some states some areas it's you know i think wisconsin just passed this thing where okay we're gonna have this cannabis program but you do not need a doctor's note to get cbd really? like you can just go and get uh -huh. it again it has to be implemented and regulated and all that stuff which state was that it might have been Wisconsin. Um, internet's a little slow, so I'll have okay. to check. <laughs> That's all right. Oh. So uh, what about it? Is it still going? Are you still searching it? <laughs> we lost Jayhan, everyone. Oh, no. He, he, I got distracted. He sucked into the uh, internet. I got distracted with one of my notes here. It was the Senator Durbin uh -huh. telling people oh to read Gladwell God. and Berenson. Oh, my God. Um, and so I guess this is a little bit of a, a myth-busting, a can-busting time. Yeah. Because he went on, there's a YouTube video where he spends like 40 minutes with like old cardboard graphs. Like, right. Like, you know, he d doesn't know how to use PowerPoint, so he had to do this like graphs and uh, on printed out paper. And he talked about, one of the things that struck me was he talked about how cannabis and tobacco have the same concerns because they're both combusted. Um, and what's interesting is that that is actually not true. There's research coming out talking about cannabis, THC in particular, protecting lungs from nicotine right. exposure. There's the lung cancer, lower incidence right. of lung cancer among cannabis-using populations, at least in Southern California, where the research was conducted. Um, and so it just seems like there weren't the concerns. They There are concerns about these products, but it doesn't seem like the people who are opposed to it are hitting any of those notes. Um so what would you like to see them do? 
I think they should really stress um, efficient, you know, so that you have these people who have invested a lot of their mm-hmm. time, their passion into creating products, creating access points for medical patients. And I feel like they don't get a lot of support from the regulators at times, right. depending when you're at. They're not, you know, it's it's always helpful when they send an inspector down to be like, let me check, make sure your wiring's all good. Let me make sure that your lab is getting you the best results possible. I mean, you know, I'm worried a little bit, like we saw in Oregon a couple weeks ago, where only one third of the cultivators had been inspected. That's right. not if I if I was running a dispensary, <laughs> I'd be really upset because that right. is the source of my products that I am dispensing to. Right. A, a vulnerable community. Right. And so I, I worry a little bit about this adjustment to this market and that the the real concerns are being overshadowed by, you know, these antiquated politicians who are right. updated and just um, trying to create something when there are real issues. So what can people do about that then if they share that concern? Well, one, they could work for the state, help them inspect cannabis <laughs> operations. Yeah. <laughs> That yeah. I mean, Oregon, the Liquor Control Board puts out ads all the time, hiring cannabis inspectors. I mean, you know, right. could sign up. Um, I think How would one become a cannabis inspector? Uh, well, I'm sure they have their own training program. But, <laughs> but of course, getting depending on what you want to do, is it is it manufacturing, yeah. is it cultivation? Right. Getting a background in there. I think food science is good. Um, so you, know, you see this as like a job market and really – a really like hurting place right now that needs a lot of people to join that or that I think it also course. comes down from the consumers and the patients right also identifying those operations that are exceeding regulations and really supporting them um, and I, it's, it's 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 a difficult time um, I think for some jurisdictions to be able to enforce and have teeth in terms of identifying bad actors and good actors right. Um, but, you know, a lot of times I just think of, like, if I if my grandma was going to access cannabis, what would I want in there? You know, what would I, how would I want it handled? Right. Would I want her to be able to return it or <laughs> make sure the same product was available? It, it's, <clears throat> you know, it's going to be interesting as the FDA gets involved and starts being able to issue, like, finger-wagging, uh, you know, letters to operators. Um, but, you know, I think it's it's really confusing too with some of the marketing and labeling practices that are not consistent right so what else going on in your hemp world a whole lot of things aren't you speaking this week what are you speaking oh, about thursday i am speaking about cannabidiol what um, about it uh, well we're going to try and demystify it a little bit for the public at right. nyu school of social work um, and you know one of the things that m- most interesting to me about CBD is its potential for anxiety disorders, right. um, whether it's for sleep or something like that. But anything to get people reducing their intake of benzodiazepines yeah. and other drugs. Yeah. Um, Even antipsychotics, I'm fascinated to see how it could be because I, I had spoken, I think I told you about this, I had spoken to an Israeli researcher who's a psychiatrist who um, they were doing a protocol with really heavy uh, amounts of CBD, but were finding really promising results with their schizophrenic patients. So I, I'm fascinated because the medications to treat 
schizophrenia, they're just so, um, so many problems, so many side effects and negative effects from it. I also this would be yeah. interesting. And I also think that we're going to start to see that the circadian rhythm potentially plays a role too. Yeah. What happens at night? You know, progesterone is a really interesting thing that runs around in our body, but it, it enhances or inhibits our response to certain drugs. Like if you have a lot of progesterone floating around in your bloodstream, you're going to be less responsive to the rewarding effects of things like amphetamines and right. stimulants. Um, and so I, I also think that one of the things will come into play, especially with compounds like CBD, since it interacts on serotonin receptors and uh -huh. adenosine, uh -huh. right? I think that, um, you know, adenosine is one of those things that CBD helps, like caffeine, that's one of its main activities to keep you alert. So when the sun goes down, your adenosine signaling changes to make you sleepy or get ready for sleep. CBD is interacting with that. And so I think we're going to start to see, hopefully, research drilling down is when do you take this for right. the anti-anxiety effect? Is right. it at night or is it during the, the day? day? Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if you notice anything like that in therapy about the effect of the circadian rhythm, because uh, that's really kind of this unexplored That would place. be really fascinating to look at. Hmm. Is there, you know, and, and there I've are, yeah. I've never really paid attention to that that much as it is with my medical cannabis patients. So, but, um, you know, the other thing, too, that, that fascinates wow. me about CBD is there are no chronic long-term studies, people taking lots of it for long periods of time. There's some that the FDA did to get it approved for Epidiolex, right. but really what happens to the average person, what happens to their anxiety symptoms over time as they use CBD, that that hasn't uh, really been done. Really been studied, yeah. There's so much out there. That's why people thought that we were crazy when we called it the global cannabis bonanza. But I think that that really describes kind of what's going on in the world. There are so many issues and nuances related to this that people weren't really paying attention to. And I, uh, I think that we need to be much more verbal about, you know, the different nuances. So, because there's so much like bad messaging on both sides. You know, and, and I just really think that people need a sane voice. And there is so much messaging that there's actually a paper came out at the end of last year by this guy, last name's Boatwright, and they actually looked at the accuracy of claims made online. Right. So you might think you're hiding out there with, oh, no one's going to give me anything, but they actually, the purpose of their study was to evaluate the accuracy and quality of medical marijuana claims on popular websites, which included hemp and CBD. Um and they found that they're, you know, hey, we have evidence showing both benefits and harms associated with cannabis use. Um, right. But, um, you know, what's actually being said? And, you know, they actually tried to label this in terms of um, what level of evidence, quality of evidence. Um, and they so they looked at the website, whether it was sales ads or what it was doing. Was it an investor site? Was it a government site? Did they have the original source of information? And what was the most kind of the thing that all websites had in common, including government and the business uh -huh. sales, was that there was no clear information of who reviewed the information that was posted. Right. Like there was no, oh, this is our review board who reviews our <laughs> quality. of Like no one had that listed. And only two websites they looked at, one was a government site, one was just a site that had a bunch of ads, only two sites actually listed 
uh, when they update things on the website. Like, when was it last updated? Right. When was the last post uh, made? Huh. So what did they, like, how long had it been since it had had updated information, or did they say? Oh, they did, they did not say. So basically the ones that, what they're basically saying is that if you actually listed any update frequency you got a check plus <laughs> and if you didn't list it at all check minus so it doesn't say you know i mean the government maybe once every couple years i'm right. guessing um so it's 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 interesting and so they also looked at um you know cause and effect and they found that um most of the implied cause and effects were drawn from low quality studies um uh, a fair amount, one to three percent, were drawn from animal trials, and only, um, you know, about, oh, sorry, thirty-three percent were drawn from animal trials. About fifty percent from cells. Right. Um, and so there, there, but that wasn't really clear. So what these researchers kind of did was look at what they were saying, track down the original article, and start to categorize them. Um, and and most of the dosing articles used come mm -hmm. from animals not humans so right. there was something like 73 percent of the information about dosing came from animals and this is a little scary because animals don't smoke cannabis right they <laughs> they inject them into their stomach with a syringe of cannabis i thought this i thought i saw that couple of uh, mice earlier that we showed that picture i thought i saw them smoking earlier <laughs> so uh, but, you know, they reviewed all these websites, to be fair. Even the government website they reviewed had at least one downfall regarding quality. None of the websites really mentioned who reviewed the information that was published. Right. And so they really call for healthcare professionals and website authors to be trained in evidence-based medicine so that consumers can be more educated. Um, and, again, what this is down to is people are seeking medical advice from these website claims. Right. And so they're really saying, you know, people have have to be smart consumers or you know? or look for those companies yeah. that say who reviews their information. Right. Do they have some sort of researcher, or healthcare professional? Um, it's amazing yeah. how those kinds of things work. Like, I, I think I know someone who works for like this company that their job is to take information, healthcare information and, and kind of market it, how they go about citing studies and stuff like that. Right, and and again, this was a small study, one of those rare ones that you see. But they only looked at ten websites to, and but they evaluated all the available information. And this was again the top ten most commonly accessed websites about cannabis. So you know who you are, <laughs> uh, because they, the reason they did this study, they found that sixty-five percent of people who use cannabis seek out information regarding how to use it, what to use. Via internet search engines. Wow. And so they looked at the top websites. It's really scary to me, like how people are getting their information. You know? <laughs> what, what? Why are you laughing? Well, they can't all be wrong. No. Um, <laughs> well, no. I mean, it is scary, you know? What would be a better place? You think talk, we, 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 this is like a conundrum, right? Because you, if you go to your doctor, right. they maybe had no training, right? Well, we had talked about how medical schools, only 9% of current medical schools teach about the ECS. So the best way, I think, to get information about cannabis is never go to one source, right? right. And once you see Multiple. it, something repeated True. a couple times True. was cited, then it can start to 
enter into the circle around the truth category. Right. But I think, you know, you have to. That's why I like, and I can't wait for us to start launching the Cannabusters, where we're actually busting cannabis myths. <laughs> we should have Greer do a song that he had he made up right. for it. <laughs> I think we need uniforms and a car. I know. I know. I know. I think it would be great. I could just see the three of us cannabusting myths. Roll up to the CBD boutique. We're here to review your label claims. Yeah. (laughs) Send that batch out. (laughs) Oh, my God. Wouldn't that be nice if we could? Wouldn't that just be absolutely wonderful if we could actually study, like, the CBD stuff? I think it would be... I think they would welcome it. I think a lot of the businesses that work with CBD products would welcome it because those are the ones who are doing it right. You know, the ones and who don't want people in there, don't right. want attention. They're right. they're like they're the ones, fly by night. Yeah, sorta. they're the ones you don't want to buy from. So that would be a good thing. So how much did we need to be able to do this kind of study? Oh, uh, you know, I don't think it would be that much. Um, you know, these types of studies um, – you know, say you wanted to do it for a year, right. could really be done for under eighty thousand dollars, and that would include buying. Like, if we wanted to do like a hundred products, right? right? Um, often it would include buying the products and things like that, yeah. paying technicians to crunch the data, maybe some lab tests and yeah. things like that that would be consistent for each product. Yeah, we're looking probably between like forty and eighty thousand dollars for a really good quality study. That would be fantastic so, to be able to do that because that's what's really scary to me. Like I had a patient of mine ask about certain CBD products, and that worries me completely just because I would hate, you know, I'm always about you need to do everything legally if you can. And um, I would just hate for her to try something because there are so many shady things, so many great products too, you know what I mean? It's just a shame. So it would be nice to be able to have something like that to test. You know, I agree, and people can go to irccmh.org and click on the donate <laughs> button, and we'll get cracking. If you want to donate $40,000 to our uh, research effort, just <laughs> hashtag what IRCCMH CBD. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it would be smart. It would be smart. Well, you know, and that's, uh, you know, when we did the, the CBD just late list, lo- looking at whether or not they were accurately labeled, we published yeah, that you- almost uh, – Two years ago, yeah, I think. Yeah, it was in JAMA, right? Yeah, the uh, Journal of the American Medical Association, and and you know that was just a couple of people saying, "Hey, wouldn't this be a good idea to do? Can we yeah. get funding?" And we happened to meet uh, a, a private funding agency, someone who worked there, who was like, "Yeah, let's do this." Oh, that and, would be wonderful. And we actually are talking with them. Um, we we talked about this a couple months ago, but we might be doing a follow up to that where we're going to. legally acquire CBD products this time and then test them for things that may or may not be required by regulation. So other types of contaminants, other types of heavy metals and looking because right now it's not required to test for the presence of adulterants like synthetic cannabinoids in these products or other legal pharmaceutical drugs um, and things like that. And so setting up these screens and stuff like that would be really interesting to know, and I'm sure the the manufacturers would want to know as well as the dispensaries, because sometimes they're just having a brand ambassador come in and they have this product. They don't know 100% what's in there. They and again, this is another example of when I talked about earlier. You know, regulators really need to support these businesses. 
they may not have a proper channel to get the stuff tested. Where do they send it mm. to to handle it, to test it, to get the information they need? But so we definitely need more testing laboratories out there that are specialized, doing but the proper methods. this is kind methods. of why we've gotten into this and why even we're having the podcast, right? I mean, we both just feel very strongly that people need to know the nuances and, and these are great questions we should be asking. You know, we're talking about health, <laughs> you know. Oh, well, this has been fun. Well, how do you think it went today? I think it went pretty well. I, I wish Greer could have stayed, but, you know, he's a big, important guy. Got to go make people laugh all over the city. I know. But. I know. He's just he's doing God's work. <laughs> so there. Um, so, you know, we've been talking a lot about off air, about guests we want to bring in the yeah. show. And this is where people who are still listening could help us out. Yeah. So, again, I've been doing this for 15 years. Um you know, I've seen a lot of the same faces, Mishulam and other guys, you know, the guy who isolated THC, talk on a lot of shows. But I'm trying to think, do we? what type of people do we want to bring on the show? Now, we, Greer's going to be bringing in some of his friends. I think it'd be great to get their perspective, some local business operators. But yeah. I think it might be kind of fun to bring in regulators. I think it's a little, might be a little nervous, but I feel that they would be happy to have different platforms to talk about their issues, whether to confirm or disconfirm what we're saying. Um, but, you know, that's my kind Maybe of we just open it up and ask people to suggest potential speakers I, for us, too. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. On our Instagram page or Facebook page. Yeah. Even LinkedIn. I mean, because we really want to be at the cutting edge. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm really fascinated, especially with promoting females. And, and that's what we industry. were talking about. There's certain conferences I've been going to for years. And I'm yeah. going to switch it up and go to new venues because I'm seeing the same people it, speak for like 10 years in a row. The same thing over and over and over. And, uh, and, and as much as I love their greatest hits, I mean, <laughs> it's like, yeah, play that tune again, man. I love it. It's not like I can listen to you know their presentation on iTunes or anything. you got to go there once a year to see it. But it would be nice to hear from new, new voices. From different perspectives. We need some diversity in the field. We right. really do. And we I need to like have some diversity of thinking. a lot of young people trained under new paradigms, trained with new technology, new yeah. perspectives, are doing things that um, will, could change the game overnight a little bit. Um, especially, like for example, with the Farm Bill, researchers can now get access to hemp seeds for the first time, like live hemp seeds, not, right. not denatured hemp seeds that don't grow. Now you're going to have this generation of nerds growing up with the ability to study to do that. hemp. I know. And I'm like, where are those kids who are enrolling in those programs, who right. are studying it? Because it's none of the old dudes. All the, the old dudes are with their DEA licenses at the laboratories. This is outside of well, their that, purview. Because yeah. all the new research avenues that are opening up, most people are just enhancing what they're already doing. And there's all these yeah. new areas. And I want to get those people on, but they're hard to find because they're not getting conference invitations. They're not running right. businesses. Well, they're not part of the old guard. That's the issue. Right. I mean, I, I mean, we've both kind of come up upon that, that, you know, if you're not part of a paradigm, then it's kind of hard to kind of have a unique voice in this field. And, and, and I'm honestly, I'm really proud of the two of us for deciding to do this podcast and having Greer, because I love Greer and us to have this kind of conversation with people because we feel like that's what's missing out of this bonanza is really the human element, don't you think? 
I mean, yeah. I mean, we are going to need a lot of money to to grow and to explore and have um, new technologies related to cannabis. But we also can't forget why we're doing this, and and um, that's really to help people and for people to feel better. You know? Absolutely, and that's one of the things that I am so passionate about. Cannabis is not only has it been uh, a way to bring hope to people to help explain to the average person why this is benefiting them or why it's risky or why it might be harming them um, and help you know I've helped so many patients over the years through activism and advocacy I used to do this thing at um, when I was um, working with Americans for Safe Access a long time ago when we started a San Francisco chapter I started to do Science Corner and we used to do it at the beginning talk about science but there would always be these fights about cannabis policies and so the science be, kind of became this whistle that the organizers would blow, and the, the debates would get too much. We're like, time for science corner, because <laughs> science is objective, and there usually wasn't a bunch of people right. getting upset about right. this information. And what started happening science is corner. is these patients, these people who are like, my doctor won't recommend cannabis. He says he doesn't have this information, and so I'd kind of create these custom you know, talking points for them to go talk to their physician. And I got to wonder if there was like one physician seeing all of them. And he's like, I, <laughs> like this writing style is very similar. Similar. <laughs> <laughs> the same verbiage keeps being used over and over but and over. The other thing I, I just love about this field is that it changes so much. You yeah. know, it's not stationary. You have to constantly think about new technology, how it applies to cannabis. What are the policy implications? How will that change what people are doing in their in their daily lives? You know, well, think about it. We're talking about it with mental health now. You know, uh, they've been virtually opposed essentially for, you know, ever since I've been in this field. It's like field five people yeah. really doing it consistently over the years. They're the pioneers. Right. Um, and they, you know, they're they're locked into what they're doing, and and they're the only reasons we have the ability to discuss it. Is they went out and said, okay, well, let's study cannabis dependence to death. Right. Let's study, and the only thing that really has come up that I think actually makes sense is they talk about use disorders, and really the only contraindication that's coming out about opioids not being effective is with someone who has a, a use disorder right. with a substance. Um, I know you don't like to make it about the substance, but I thought like once that criteria gets a little more developed, a little more rational, and it can actually be used in a clinical setting, it might actually be useful. Right. But, but see, I think what would use disorder even mean? See, so I can get really philosophical on that one because as we're talking about it, I, I look at it kind of from this notion of craving that Buddhist psychologists talk about. And that's where I think that it really doesn't matter about the stuff. I mean, granted, there are the physical dependencies that can occur. So I'm not saying that doesn't occur. But what I'm saying is that we also, there is this inherent kind of searching for more and more and more that people, it's a craving. And, and that's what we see, whether it's sex, whether it's relationships, whether it's cannabis, whether it's, you know, um, shopping, whether it's food that people just tend to kind of, it's a craving that they're having. And In they the don't know how the to... the hungry ghost. Right. They don't, have, they don't have the ability to self-soothe and to kind of connect to that part of themselves and work through that. And, and that's where I would love to see a change in how we conceptualize use disorders to actually look at how does someone use it. You know, Absolutely. that's the difference. If I'm using something to cope, 
if I'm using something to escape, that to me is where I get nervous for patients because then they're not really building up their own ability to solve their problems. Right. So I wanted to circle back real quick to information. So yeah. topics like this, talking about new stuff, is why we've been a little more strategic now. In the last five years, I've been going to everything I could go to, yeah. and there are way too many conferences and associations yeah. for the industry to support. But the, there's two that I am participating in or are planning on participating in. One's in New York, March 12th to 13th, the Canna East Compliance Summit. Right. This is a great place that combines regulatory stuff quality control with advocacy right. and science. And so you kind of get this nice little circus with something for everyone with speakers you probably haven't heard before, people doing, you know, the wizards behind the curtain of <laughs> making this work, right? Uh, and uh, I'll be talking on the first day, it looks like, on Yay, the 12th. good for you. Just got invited to the Institute of Cannabis Research, the ICR, not to be confused with the ICRS, but the ICR um, is having a conference March 23rd through 25th in Pueblo, Colorado. It's uh, part of uh, the Colorado State University, and they are going to be, they really see this institute aligning with the university's mission, providing education, research, and service to the region. Right. Uh, and so we're going, and what's really cool is it's, again, like the Canada East Compliance, it's not just a bunch, it's not just an echo chamber of regulators or an echo chamber of activists. You're going to have the Department of Public Health, the Department of Agriculture, the Hemp Research Foundation, and plus all these other people from out of state like me right. coming there and talking about this sort of multidisciplinary issue. Yeah. And I think, aren't we going to try to do something about, um, cannabis and mental health uh during mid-march right so Canada we're we're in the process of nailing down a date and time yeah but uh we're going to do a mental health and cannabis uh evening talking yeah. about the research and Yours future direction chan roberts will be leading that yeah. discussion um will you will you uh will your doctorate uh, be finished by then will oh, we get yes. to see the well, data you you won't be able to see the dr in front of my name yet that's okay. not until may but uh yeah everything is pretty much done right now so it's kind of exciting but um i will also say that i've been asked to go um to boston so you know Miriam McNabb's group uh, C3RN, right? Yeah, and Mary McNabb was one of the authors uh, of the National Academies awesome. of Sciences report. Love Miriam. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, they asked me to come up on March third. That's a Sunday in Boston, and I'll be speaking uh, for the Cannabis Advancement Conference that uh, with veterans and alternative healing and 3CRN or, or 3, God, I always screw that up, C3RN and Joint Ventures Company are organizing. So the three of them are really kind of doing this cannabis advancement conference. And I'm not only going to speak, but will also be, I think, a panelist as well. So um, nice. that should be good. I, I attended the la or one of the last ones that they had, and it was really informative. They do a lot of great work of Massachusetts yeah. and are very connected in. And right. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting to see how these conferences change over time. Um, some of the business conferences, again, are a little repetitive. I noticed that there's, um, there's a lot of chem, sometimes conferences seem so overly focused on chemistry. And even as someone with like me who 
has a degree in chemistry is sometimes is a little much. I'm like, really? Yeah. Someone else analyzing the amount of well, THC. That's one something. of the the things I have a little chip on my shoulder on. I was going to submit an abstract this weekend, and um, I started looking at all the categories. You got abstract smacked. Well, I mean, it was so ridiculous. It was all about chemistry and nothing about the translational piece of how cannabis affects people. And that really I, I think that's something that I see as a clinician is completely missing in these conversations that people have about cannabis. Well you're you know, and if you can't travel to cannabis, and that's one of the things in the early days when I started, you know, I went to, my first real conference that wasn't like a policy conference was the International Cannabinoid Research Society in two thousand and six. And I like cashed in all my chips with my family and friends <laughs> to go to Hungary. And it was amazing. But what's great now, and I, and I wish that this stuff had existed back then, but there's a lot of online stuff. Yeah, and but then there's some really, sh- you know, bad online stuff, there's, too. There's some <laughs> swag out there. But one of the groups that I think is killing it is Lab Roots. Uh-huh. Um, and you're going to be presenting. I'm oh, presenting. That's right. My buddy Marcel Bon Miller is presenting. Yeah. Cool. Um, and that's March 27th through 28th. It's free online virtual yeah. events. You can ask the speakers questions. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. And if they're, yeah, that's right. And so they're going to be talking about advances in technology. So not just chemistry, how, can, how much THC or CBD is in your product. But how machines are learning AI and cannabis, plant genetics, personalized medicine, the dosing stuff we're talking about, um, you know, as well as again, now that now that you all these places can take in data, right. how do we analyze it all? Right. So it's it's and a, what does it mean once you analyze it? How right? does that actually go? How does that get translated into the actual space with your patient? And if you're just <laughs> interested in extraction and cultivation, they got plenty of speakers okay. on that. You can you can go that to death, but. I think the plant genetics, personalized medicine, these other nuanced topics, medicine, yeah. it's really fun. Yep. Um, and I, you know, just as a disclaimer, I am on their board and I help them do this type of content. That's actually why they reached out to me. They're like, we want to do cannabis content. So for the last two years, I've been doing these virtual symposiums. And I go out, and this is how I choose speakers. This is really messed up. But I go on LinkedIn <laughs> and social media and I crack jokes about people's posts. And if they respond well, I invite them to present. <laughs> Because I'm like, you're going to do well on a virtual symposium. Is that how you knew that you and I could work together? <laughs> I trolled <laughs> you, and you were like, oh, well, Wait, she's no, funny. I, I, I think I trolled you. I was okay, gone. I, I did something really <laughs> stupid. If someone posted this this post about something they're working on, and I asked if it was a tricorder, and it started this whole discussion. I was like, wow, this this young person really knows their stuff. They're funny. It's not like they shut down the right, post or right. got mean. They they worked it into like a joke <laughs> and a point. And like I was like, you'd be perfect because for these virtual symposiums, it's not like your regular symposium where you're protected and they're not going to let. You know, you're gonna have you're gonna take questions from all types of people who are watching this, and that's one of the right. great things about virtual symposiums is it opens it up to so many different people with so many different backgrounds. You don't have to fly to you know Paducah, Kentucky, or wherever the conference is. Um, <laughs> you get to ask your all questions. Right. All right. Well, sounds like we have some fun in yep. our future. Yep. And lots of good learning opportunities. And you're going to be speaking again. There's Dustin Sulak, Jan mm-hmm. Roberts, Marcel Bon Miller. Um, these are really, uh, I would say, you know, approaching what we would call well-known scientists. 
um, including some former um, people who've worked in regulations. Actually, the former commissioner of Maryland um, Medical Cannabis right. Program is going to be oh, that's speaking. Um, so it's again, wide background. Yeah. So this is really lots of good stuff going on. And, and one of my talks I'm looking forward to, the last one I'll plug, is this guy, Dr. <laughs> Marcus Rogan. And he's been like, he he was wrong about some extraction process. He's a really smart guy. And he has this whole thing like we need to be wrong more. Like he says, I was wrong about something, and that's a really good thing because that's how science works. Is like, you know, you build it, you right. build. And so I'm really looking forward to fail, his talk. Fail again. How fail he's better. like how being wrong when you're working on projects actually leads to the biggest breakthroughs. That's a very Buddhist concept too. You yeah. know that, right? Pema Chodron wrote a great book, Fail, I think it's like Fail, Fail Again, Fail Better, or something like that. So March is blowing up with with conferences. March 3rd, you're going to be in Boston. Yep. We have a new uh, event in New York, 12th through the 13th, the Canada East Compliance in Times Square. Uh, also, we have the online virtual event, March 27th through 28th, the Cannabis Science at LabRoots. Right. The last one is online and free. Woo! All right. Well, good. This has been fun today. What do you think? Uh, it's, it's had its moments. I'd say. <laughs> and we miss Greer. <laughs> we do. We do. All right, ma'am. I keep looking over there thinking I'm going to see him. I think there's something wrong with my cannabinoid receptors. I'm not extinguishing that, that memory. <laughs> Maybe you don't have any. Just kidding. <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. All right, dude. All right. Well, mm. shall we? Ready, c- sign c- off. All right. Well, the time of harvest is upon us. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'll be thanks post- so much, guys. Yes, we'll be back with Greer uh, next week. Mm-hmm. Yep, we're going to be live soon, and uh, we'll be posting uh, some clips to our social media of our upcoming events and some cl- some video clips of this and other episodes. Perfect. All right, stay All right. safe out there. All right, take care. <laughs>